0: to begin a new series. It's going to be a fairly short series called Searching for Answers. And one of the questions that we're going to look at today is 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 a pretty simple question. Are they a Christian? Have you ever been around someone, Abram, and you ask the question, you know, you, you go, are they really a Christian? I mean, sometimes they act and you go, yeah, they probably are not a Christian, right, uh, Tim? And sometimes you go, wow, maybe are they a Christian? Because they, they they seem to be acting like a Christian should be acting. But when we look at things in that perspective, we have to be careful because we can get non-biblical in how we are looking to determine whether someone's a Christian or not. So today I want us to look into the word and get an answer to the question, are they a Christian? Because there are certain things, there there is one main earmark that will set someone apart from being a child of God and not. We just sang about, I am a child of God. Beautiful song, very well done. I am a child of God and what makes us a child of God? I mean, we're going to look into the word to find out what it says because many people can claim to be a Christian and they're no more a Christian than when I stand in my garage and it make me a car. It's it's or that I tell good dad jokes. <laughs> but today we are going to see biblically that thing that we can determine whether or not we ourselves or someone we know or someone we love, if they are. A Christian so we're going to be in first John today first John chapter 3 so if you would go ahead and turn your Bibles to first John chapter 3 and I want to begin today by making a statement about an unbeliever someone who does not follow Christ someone who who does not say Jesus is Lord in their life I want you to know they have a conscience and they can make good decisions They can make moral and right decisions, but that does not make them a Christian. So today I want us to look at this scripture in 1 John chapter 3 and see what the beloved disciple that wrote the book of John has to say. This is the man who was very close to Jesus. He's the same man who was on the Isle of Patmos that got the revelation from Jesus and about Jesus and about the end times that soon we're going to do a Bible study. Dub Sloan is going to be leading here uh, on a Wednesday night. And this is the man who understands what it's like to walk beside Jesus and live with Jesus. And so we're going to look at 1 John chapter 3 beginning in verse 13. I want to begin in verse 13 because you may need to hear the first verse today. Do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We know love by this, that he is laid down his life for us, and we are to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. We will know by this that we are of the truth, and we will assure our heart before Him. And whatever our heart condemns us, for God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him, because we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. This is His commandment. That we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as He commanded us. The one who keeps His commandments abides in Him, and He in Him. We know by this that He abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given us. Now, when we look at this scripture, one of the key phrases and one of the key things you heard repeated a lot is love. Love one another. But I want you to know today that a someone who does not know Jesus can love. They can act and take care of people and love. What is it that what is that thing that separates someone who is born again and has a relationship with Jesus Christ from the one who does not? It's found in verse 24. Let's look at verse 24. At the very end of verse 24. We know by this that He abides in us. By what? By the Spirit whom He has given us. The one thing that separates us from a non-believer is that the Holy Spirit resides within us. It's not that we're better than someone else. It's not that we have a higher and lofty position in the world. It is that we have the Holy Spirit... Dwelling within us. That's what the difference is. So when you see someone. Who seems to just live a life of sin. And they're never convicted by it. You can rest assured. According to this scripture. They are probably not a Christian. And so you need to pray for their salvation. Because right here is biblical evidence. That which sets someone apart as a believer. Is the Holy Spirit living inside. We have to be careful not to only look at the outward actions as the determining factor of whether or not we or someone else belongs to Christ. So here's the absolute assurance that I want you to write down today. My salvation is not determined by my deeds, but by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It's not determined by my deeds. It's not determined by how well I love people or... Uh, how few cuss words I say or how many Bible studies I do or how many times I pray during the day. That's not a measure of whether you're a Christian. Even, even if you are in this room today, you are, it doesn't mean that you are a Christian. You have to have Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Whatever you did to my mic, undo it please. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. Thank you for fixing it. So today, when we look at this scripture, we have to really examine our life and our heart. Do we have the Holy Spirit living within us? Here's a better question. Probably some of you are wondering this. How can I know whether I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me or not? That's a pretty good question. Because unless you can answer that question, you cannot answer the question whether or not you are born again and go into heaven. You can come to church all you want. You can read the Bible all you want. You can get baptized. But if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit living inside of you, when you die, you will not enter into heaven. You will not be in the presence of Jesus Christ. This is a simple thing. Hear me, this is not about living up to a standard or being good. This is is about a relationship in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. A.W. Tozer said, when we have the Holy Spirit, we have all that is necessary to be all that God desires us to be. We have everything needed, everything needed to be who God desires us to be. See, to answer the question, how can I know? We can look at what we do. Our conduct will verify His presence. In 1 John, that's what we we're reading first here between verses 13 and 23 and the first part of 24. Is we're looking at the evidence of what He says in verse 24. That the Holy Spirit is living inside of us. So let's not get it backwards. Let's not think that we have to love one another and, and then... We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. And then we love other people. That's the direction it goes. See the indwelling act of the Spirit. Primarily was in the temple in the Old Testament. As we read the Old Testament there was a temple. And that's where God's Spirit would reside. But when we get to the New Testament. Can I tell you what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16. It says that we are. The temple of God. Meaning that God dwells in us. God dwells right here with us. And so that is the determining factor as to whether a person is born again or they're lost. I'm going to say something and some of you may go, I don't know that I agree with that. Someone can be a drunkard and be born again because they have the Holy Spirit living in, inside of them. Someone can be sober and never touched alcohol. And be as lost as anyone else on this face of this earth. It is not determined by someone's actions or their failures. It's determined by the presence of the Holy Spirit dwelling inside. That is the only determining factor. See when the Holy Spirit comes in. And we're in the temple of God. He makes us brand new. He convicts us of sin. He confirms that we belong to Him. He gives us gifts to serve one another. He empowers us to be able to love people we don't even like. To like people that we don't even want to be around. He empowers us to do things we never thought possible. Those are some earmarks that we know that we have the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, they will know that you are my disciples because you love one another. That love isn't simply an outward expression. It comes from an inward chain. Because when you read here, this scripture, it's very clear. So let's let's look again in verse 24 before I move on. We know by this that He abides in us. By what? By the Spirit whom He has given us. Biblical evidence To be born again requires the Holy Spirit to be living inside of us. Here's an illustration. Mr. Chad, you know what this is? This is not (laughs) Kool-Aid. What would you say this is? You probably would say that this this is tea. But what do I have in my hand? Do I have tea in my hand? I have what? A, a tea pitcher. You would call this a tea pitcher. That's what I call it, Ms. Linda. I mean, in my house growing up, there was a tea pitcher. There was a place where you go get you some tea, right? Now, what makes this a tea pitcher? Is it, is it the, the orange lid that's on top? Does that make it a tea pitcher? No. <laughs> Somebody just said... Because of what's inside of this pitcher, it makes it a tea pitcher. Now, if I poured what's inside of this completely out, it would no longer be a tea pitcher. It would just be a pitcher waiting for something to be put inside of it to give it an identity. Until it has something inside of it, it really doesn't have a real purpose or an identity, does it? I mean, when it's just sitting in the cabinet, it's just a pitcher looking for a reason and a purpose to exist wanting to fulfill something and it can't cuz it has nothing but what makes this a tea picture is what's on the inside of this picture What makes you a Christian is what's on the inside of you, not what's on the outside, not what you look like, not not where you go. It's based on what's on the inside that makes you a Christian. And if the Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of you, let me tell you something. You better be acting like it on the outside, because when it comes sloshing out, it better be Jesus and the Holy Spirit. If something else is sloshing out, it shouldn't be in there. That's what I used to tell people when I was in high school and they knew that I was a preacher. I announced my calling to preach when I was 14 years old. And they'd say a cuss word around me, Tim. And they'd go, oh, I'm sorry. It just slipped out. Y'all have heard me say this before. And I'd just say to them, well, what was it doing in there? It shouldn't be slipping out. Don't let it be in there. Now, I am not here preaching that you're going to be perfect today. The Holy Spirit works in us and works to bring about the beauty of us being like Christ. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for this is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. If you're filled with the Spirit, is there room for anything else? No. When you're filled with the Spirit, it is nothing but the Spirit. See, the vessel is not more important than what's inside of it. This vessel becomes important because it's got some good ice-cold tea in it, right? Now, here's the thing. Here's how we like to think about filled with the Spirit. Yeah, that's good enough. Don't we? Let me explain this. What we like to do is say, yeah, that glass is full. Because we want to leave, leave room for a little other stuff in our life. I don't want to deal with some of the sin because I enjoy it too much. I don't want to deal with the issues that, that I find myself doing over and over because, you know, I like it. But I'm filled with, I got the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, there's something different between... The indwelling Holy Spirit and being filled with the Spirit. You're going, how, how can that be different? The Holy Spirit can dwell inside of us. And we're not allowing it to fill our life. Because let me ask you something. Is this full? And everybody says, no. no. <laughs> good job. All right. So let's, let's add a little more, more spirit. There we go. Whoo, boy, that's pretty good. Is that full? Everybody said... No. I heard one person say yes. Uh, just a smidgen more, you said? So it's not quite full, huh? Alright. Miss Lenora, are you ready? Here we go. Is it... Now is it full? That's pretty full. That's pretty full. It's not full. What would you say, Tim? Tim just said, When it hits my shoes... It is full. Overflowing. Overfl- overflowing. So you're telling me that it's filled up when it's overflowing. Whoa. Now it's full. So let's take this illustration for a second. <laughs> if you would like this, uh, Tim, you can have the whole, whole glass. Here. You want it? Is it real tea or That's that's not antifreeze, That's real tea. It's not sweet tea, though. I wish it was sweet tea. Make some sugar. It's okay. But all of you said you finally got to this idea that it's only full when it's spilling over and it's falling on the ground, falling on my shoe, right? You're filled with the Holy Spirit when it's flowing out of you onto everybody around you. Just because we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us doesn't mean we're filled until it's flowing out of us and running out on other people. When people can see the Holy Spirit's inside of us, then we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, we can have the indwelling, but it's the feeling that will make the difference. So how do we know? How to know? Well, let's look at what John said here in John chapter 3. Look at verses 13 through 18. Do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has an eternal life abiding in him. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods And sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him. How does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. Somebody say deed. Deed. Somebody say truth. truth. See, when we love, the very first thing is, we can ask this question. Is there love for people? Is there a love for people? And it defined by Scripture, not by our culture. Because I can tell you something. You can get popular if you go feed the hungry. And you can be lost and not know Jesus. In fact, you can be an atheist and go fill some bellies. You will not have the hope of Jesus Christ. The difference here is when we have the... Holy Spirit dwelling in us and it begins to come out because he says, indeed and truth. If I give somebody simply a piece of bread, I may feel their stomach today, but if I give them Jesus, along with that, they're going to have hope for a lifetime. It's more than just feeling a need. True love has truth with it. That is what John says here. And, and I love that in verse 17. He says, if you have the world's goods, it doesn't mean that you have to go supply everybody's need and fix every problem that you come across. If you ain't got the ability, you can't do it. But there's something we have to do. We have to be engaged in loving people. Real love is action and not just a feeling. I guarantee you, there's not a husband or wife that's ever had a happy marriage that says, oh, it's just about feeling.'" it's just about feeling having a happy marriage and being in love there is a couple sitting right back here Gerald and Linda are sitting there holding hands how long have y'all been married? almost 61 61 years now I have not interviewed them but I'm pretty sure Chad that they would tell you that uh, a marriage like that after 60 years is not built on just just feeling like I'm loved Feeling the love. Because there's probably been some times that they've been aggravated at each other. They had to make a choice to love each other. It was an action they had to engage into. Love is an action. And sometimes it is difficult to live for others because it means putting their desires before ours. It means serving other people when we don't like it. And it's inconvenient. The second thing I want us to look at here is is in verses 19 through 21 we will know by this that we are of the truth and will assure our heart before him and whatever our heart condemns us for god is greater than our heart and knows all things behold beloved if our heart does not condemn us we have confidence before god the second thing for you to write down is this is the question to ask Is God the guide over the heart? Because I am certain you have probably heard people say, just follow your heart. Is that biblical? Well, let's really dive into that, lean into that for a second. We can remind ourselves that God knows our motives and our hearts. Even if we are feeling something, God knows above what our hearts are actually feeling and telling us sometimes. If we are in Christ, we're no longer condemned when we feel like we are. The word says that we are no longer condemned. God is above our hearts. Look, I'm going to read verse, verse, uh, verse 19. We will know by this that we are of the truth and we will assure our heart before Him. Verse 20, in whatever our heart condemns us, for God is greater than our heart and knows all things. See, a lot of people say follow your heart. One of the great cultural myths of the Western world is just follow your heart. You are to believe that your heart is the compass for the direction of what you need to do. Your heart is the true north that will lead you to greater things. Man, it sounds good, doesn't it? I mean, you've probably heard this stuff. It says... You are lost and your heart will save you if you'll just follow your heart. It sounds simple, but here's the problem. It's not biblical. Here's what the Bible says, Abram, in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. The heart is more deceitful than all else. The Bible says the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. So if we're letting our hearts guide us rather than God guiding us, we have to really question, is the Holy Spirit truly filling us up? Number one, is He dwelling there? Number two, is He filling us up? Because if we're looking to our heart, who are we looking to? Us. If we're letting my heart guide me, then where am I looking to? Me. Oh, your heart says things that you would not want to repeat out loud, doesn't it? Somebody just, somebody just shame the devil and say amen. amen. Sometimes your heart will just say things you don't want nobody to hear. And you're thankful that nobody heard what your heart actually wanted you to say. The heart, according to scripture, is more deceitful than anything else. So why would we want to lift it up and put it on a pole and say, follow your heart? It's the most deceitful thing ever. Let me tell you what the Bible says. Follow Jesus. Don't follow your heart. Jeremiah said the heart is what? Sick. Do you want to know what the medicine is for the heart? It is Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit. That is the medicine to bring healing to the heart. So John is letting us know here, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Sometimes our heart condemns us when we go, man, I'm just messed up. Sometimes our hearts are are saying, man, I am right with God and that is good. But do not forget, God is greater than our heart. Be careful listening to your heart. Always measure it against the Word of God and the direction of God and the Holy Spirit. Third thing to write down. Are God's commandments the priority? Are God's commandments the priority? Look in verse 22. And whatever we ask, we, we receive from Him. By the way, there's a rich prayer life going on. Because we keep... Why? Because we keep... I'm going to read it one one more time, Ms. Wayne. Because we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. Not pleasing to my heart and not pleasing in my sight, but His sight. This is His commandment that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love One another. We've already covered the love one another. I want you to think about this and believe in the name of His Son Jesus Christ. Do we believe in the name of the Son of of His Son Jesus Christ? Do we believe in that name? Do we believe in the name of Jesus? The question is, is it flowing out of us? Is it flowing out of us in worship? Is it flowing out of us in our everyday life? See, here One of the earmarks is how we're living our life. It does determine what's dwelling inside. And you may say, well, I'm not perfect. See, believing in the name means to pattern your life after Christ. And when we do that, we do not compromise on sin. Did Jesus compromise on sin? Did he go, well, you know, nobody's going to know about this one. This will be all right, Paul. Jesus never did that. So if we are to, to follow after him, believe in his name, I want you to look at how extreme John puts it. Just look over in chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. I'm going to begin reading. I'm going to read in verse 6. I did not write this, okay? I didn't write this, Mr. Eddie. John wrote it. I'm just reading it. No one who abides in him sins. No one who, has, who sins has seen him or knows him. I didn't write it. John wrote it. I want to read verse 9. No one who is born of God practices sin. Because... His seed abides in him. He cannot sin because he is born of God. What? That should have just caused your mind to go boom. John says that if you practice sin, you're not born of God. Now, here's the message I want to declare to you today. The Holy Spirit is going to convict you of something. And if you're not being convicted of the sin in your life or sins in your life, you better step back because you may have a ticket and it may not be taking you to heaven. The Holy Spirit is not going to let you continue to live a life practicing a sin or sins in your life. It is going to to inspire you and guide you to become holy just as God is holy. So this is a real checkup today. This is like, like going to the doctor. This is like saying, okay, Dr. John, give me an analysis here. I mean, he is black and white. He is not pulling any punches. When He, he just makes it very... No one who abides in Jesus sins. Notice there's a word there, abide. It's not born again Or who has accepted Christ. It's abide. It's that filling of the Spirit. Someone who's filled with the Spirit, there ain't no room for sin in their life. And it's going to be overflowing into other people's lives. And notice also in verse 9, it says the word practices sin. Do you know what you do when you practice? What do you do? You do something over and over and over and over So if you need some hope from Scripture that you can break whatever is going on in your life, maybe you've got a problem, let me tell you something. Get the Bible out, read this verse, memorize it. No one who is born of God practices sin and tell that sin to take a hike. Because with the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you've got the victory because of Jesus. So what must I do? I want us to answer three questions. Number one, how am I loving people? How am I loving people? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. Notice in verse 17, Whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Someone who has wealth during this time would not associate with someone who is poor. And what John is telling us here is those people that you don't even like to be around, how are you loving them? How are you loving those people who are different than you? How are you loving other people? Second one is this. How am I prioritizing my love for God? We're all prioritizing something in our life. There are things every day that we prioritize. And we make it important. The question is, how are you prioritizing the love of God in your life? I can tell you one thing. Everybody who is in here and who's watching on Facebook. You have carved out some time right now. To love God. It is set aside time on Sunday morning. That you make your way to this place. To learn and to grow. To experience. To worship. So I just want to challenge you. How about tomorrow? What will you do to prioritize your love for God? Only an immature Christian makes excuses for not having enough time to spend with God. Can I say that again, Abram? That was a little harsh, wasn't it? I'm just going to say it again because it's truth. Only an immature Christian will constantly use excuses, I don't have enough time to spend with God. If you want to be mature, stop the whining and find a, a way to spend time with God. You know it's important. The Holy Spirit's been telling you it's important. And you'll be happier if you'll just follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit. He's been convicting you. Spend time with God. One man said this, There is no spiritual maturity apart from an intimate relationship with God. And He's the only pathway to spiritual growth. If we think anything else, it is either a deception straight from the enemy or a product of our own self-deluded mind. Might I add, it could be that our heart is guiding us, that everything's okay. But let me remind you what Jeremiah wrote. Our heart, above all else, is deceptive. And it's sick. Follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And the third one is this. And this is one I'm just going to camp on just for a moment. Because this is important. And I know you got questions about it. Do I hear from the Holy Spirit? Do I hear from the Holy Spirit? Verse 24 says that we know that we abide in Christ because we have the spirit he has given us. That's dwelling inside of us. Verse 22 said that when we ask God something, he answers. Let me ask again. Do you hear from the Holy Spirit? Or do you simply trust your conscience and your heart to be your guide? If you are not hearing or listening from the Holy Spirit, please take heed today and hear the warning. Without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in your life, you do not have Christ. You're lost. Heaven is not your destination. The Holy Spirit is the determining factor whether we are a Christian or not. We can talk about the cross and the blood's been applied. We can talk about the resurrection, but the bottom line is: is the Holy Spirit indwelling in us is what makes the difference. It is what makes the difference. Do you hear from the Holy Spirit? Let His voice be the loudest voice in your life. Let His voice be the one that drowns out what you hear on the news and what you hear your friends say. Let His voice be the one that speaks louder than the culture. Because I am telling you, if you have not been aware, God has been trying to get our attention. I believe that with all of my heart. Last Sunday, I stood in my kitchen and looked out the our, our, our kitchen window our door and I watched it hail in my backyard and it being sunny outside that got my attention Tuesday morning I was standing on the porch over here at the office in short sleeves and thought man I wish I had a jacket wait a minute it's June the 17th why am I cold We look around and see what all is happening in our nation. We look around and see a pandemic that has caused the earth and all of its economic status and things going on to halt. We see more fighting among people than ever before. God is trying to get our attention. We need to listen. And I'm here to declare to you today, without the Spirit of God dwelling inside of you, Your destination is not heaven. So, let me ask one more time. Do you hear from the Holy Spirit? Now, many of you are probably uh, going, well, I I don't know. I don't know if I hear from Him. I was rocked this week by a lady who was sitting in my office and we were about to pray and we were getting prayer requests. She She and her husband asked how they could pray for me and I shared with them. The husband shared how I could be praying for them. And this woman, who had said nothing the entire time, says, "Valencia, listen to this." She opens her mouth and says, "Could you just pray that I can hear more clearly from the Holy Spirit?" At that moment, I realized that, that was some great wisdom. We want the Holy Spirit to be the loudest voice in our life. We can hear from the Holy Spirit. We can hear it from the Word of God. We can hear it in many different avenues. But it boils down to this. Do you hear from the Holy Spirit? If you do not, I have two questions for you. Number one. Have you accepted Christ? Has the Holy Spirit moved in and taken up residence in your life? It could be that the Holy Spirit's been drowned out by a bunch of stuff in your life because you're not filled up with the Holy Spirit. He's not a priority. God's not a priority. Jesus isn't a priority. And you just got to where there's so much stuff you can't hear Him giving you direction or guiding you or helping you in different ways. But... Has he ever been dwelling there before? If you've never ever heard from the Holy Spirit, you got one of two options. Number one is simply say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Guide me. Lead me. You do something. Let me know you're there. Or two, your option is, I don't know Jesus the Holy Spirit's never come and lived inside of me. I've just been trying to be good and look right and do the right things and do the good things. And I have failed and I've come up short. So today, that's the two options. Do you need to pray that the Holy Spirit will reveal Himself to you more? Or do you need to pray that you receive the Holy Spirit to abide in you through Jesus Christ today? Miss Gina, would you come and play? The seven-day challenge is pretty simple this week. It goes with the last thing, what do I do? I want you to pray this week for the Holy Spirit to speak clearly to you. Pray for the Holy Spirit to speak clearly to you in some way this week. This is the time, if ever there was a time, We need to be hearing from God like never before. We will never see the power of God working in our services until the power of God is working in our lives. It doesn't matter what kind of music we do or how good it is or what the preaching is like. Without the Holy Spirit working in our life before we get here, we'll never see a move of God in here. So your challenge is to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you this week somehow very clearly. Do you need to know Jesus today? Do you know Him? Maybe you have tried to measure your relationship and you're going to heaven simply because you've come to church or you listen to preaching or because your mom and daddy are are good people. Without a relationship with Jesus Christ, you will never see Him. The Holy Spirit must come and dwell within for you to be assured of that relationship. Where are you today? Will you pray with me, Father? Today as we come, Lord, the truth of this scripture makes it very clear that the Holy Spirit is a vital part of John wrote in verse 24 that we know that you abide in us by the Holy Spirit that you've given to us. So Father, today, I pray that it becomes very clear in lives whether the Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of us or not this is a message that should be declared to all it's important that we do good things to love people but without the holy spirit we're serving a lost cause so father today i pray that you will Number one, save people, that you'll convict them of their sins. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Convict them. Let them know they need to, right now, ask you to forgive them and take over their life. And Lord, the Holy Spirit will come and dwell inside. I know it sounds crazy, but that's what the Bible teaches. And that's what I've experienced. God, forgive me. Take over my life. And for those who are born again, Lord, I pray that right now they will commit themselves to listen to the Holy Spirit like never before. Let the Holy Spirit become the loudest voice this week in their life.